what is up everybody it is the make it happen podcast with myself nolan Olm. today is gonna be a great one i got a hooper on the podcast first hooper steel venters my guy i've seen him you know come from red shirt uh freshman to where he is now big sky mvp and now committed to gonzaga gonna go play down there in the kennel super excited for him i'm super stoked for this episode and i appreciate all you guys tuning in and continuing to tune in i've been super busy recently i'm getting this make it happen football camp prepared so if you are in bc if you are in Kelowna, um you need to be at the make it happen football camp if you're age ages 13 to 18 years old and you're a football player we need you there i'm bringing up 20 former and or current d1 players uh, and professional football players so it's going to be incredible we're going to provide value it's all non-for-profit all the proceeds are going to charity it's all about the community and it's all about bringing an experience that i wish i had when i was 13 14 15 16 17 18 years old playing football up there in canada so it's going to be super good but with that being said i really appreciate you guys tuning in for this share that football camp around and then also continue to share this podcast around it really means a lot it's been growing it's super awesome to see i absolutely love the community and, and the the responses the love that i'm getting back uh, after every episode i really appreciate you guys' feedback and everything but I, I love the feedback even the feedback and when you review the podcast that's all i ask i don't ask for anything else if you review could review the podcast it'd be huge it helps it grow more uh, and help people achieve their dreams get all these tools and skills that um, really allow you to go make it happen whatever that means in your life so i'm super excited without further ado here is my guy steel venters how'd you start getting into basketball um and give me kind of the journey to go in d1 like did you always know you're gonna go d1 were you really good were you talented as a kid or kind of what was that like growing up playing basketball yeah so really getting into basketball i think it just stemmed from my dad so my dad uh, played college ball, had an opportunity to go play overseas in Australia okay. for a year, and then he went over there and actually tore his ACL, Damn. blew up his knee, so he had to come back, get surgery, and then after that, he kind of just got away from basketball, met my mom, had my sister, had me, and then, but just growing up, <clears throat> he was just always, like, getting me in the gym, or, like, going to the baseball field with me like it didn't matter what sport he was just always like he wanted me to do something you know Mm -hmm. and so um and it was never like pressured I always wanted to like to work on it too but um yeah throughout high school he just like kind of stemmed in my brain like you have to earn everything you know so it's like I think that mentality made me like gain confidence that like I could go d1 and then um, Eastern ended up being my only D1 offer out of high school. I had a bunch of D2s, but um, I was deciding whether to stay home and go to Central Washington, yeah. which is literally in my backyard. Yeah, right, and then, Yeah, it's like eight minutes away from my house, um, and stay D2 or take a chance and come here and be a preferred walk-on. Wow. Preferred. Wow. Preferred walk-on to Big Sky MVP. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So... Um, I was told I was going to get a scholarship after the first year, but it didn't work out because of COVID. Yeah. Another kid came in. That all happened. And then, well, yeah, so I think really my redshirt year was just, like, a huge step for me as far as, like, just learning the pace, like, the schedule. Obviously, you know, like, 
it's it's a job like if you really want to be good at this it's you like you have to be here from a lot of hours you have to put in a lot of hours to be here so i think that was just the biggest thing is just like it all stemming from my dad giving me the mentality to where like i can do anything as long as i put the work in yeah wow really cool i didn't even know that so what really was like, what tipped you over taking a shot on yourself to become a preferred walk-on? I assume you probably didn't want to stay home, right? Like a lot of kids. Yeah, I wanted out. to get out of here, get out of my hometown and go see something different. But um, what was the question? Sorry. Like what really, what pushed you over the edge? Because you're really taking a shot yeah. on yourself to come be a preferred walk-on. Is it, he pushed you to have that mindset of like working hard and, and that really what led to believing in yourself. But like, that's a huge decision. And and coming in, did you really, was your goal to get on a full first year? Like, what was your mindset coming in to a team with Tanner Groves, Jake? Like, like it was a talented team, right? <clears throat> Mike was on that team, correct? Uh, yeah. Uh, we had the Big Sky MVP, Mason Peatling. Yeah. My redshirt year, we had Kim Aiken, all those guys. So, I mean, really coming in, so in high school, like at AAU tournaments and stuff, when I was getting recruited, I always thought I was just under-recruited. And part of that was... The team I was on, like, we just didn't go to the right tournaments yeah. to where there was college scouts there. Um, but the other half, I think I was just under-recruited. And I knew I was a lot better than a lot of the other kids I saw that were getting offers from big schools. And I was like, oh, I can do the same thing. I just got to go a different path than all these mm -hmm. other people. So I bet on myself, committed to Eastern. And then the first year, like you said, it was like, one of the best teams in Eastern history going to the tournament, or would have gone to the tournament, but COVID happened. Right. Um, and I think just learning from that team, being able to, like, I was the scout team guy, so I was the best player on the scout team, so I was playing against those guys every day, getting all, like, all the reps, and I just learned a lot from, like, watching them and playing against them, essentially. Wow. Well, that's incredible. I didn't even realize how good that team was because I came in, and I'm in my own world trying to figure out my own yeah, stuff. But yeah. that's so. And I COVID ruined it, right? Because we couldn't have came and watch you guys. But so you red shirt, um, and you're on scout team grinding. What does it kind of look like that that transition to the next year? I mean, you lose head coach, right? Everyone kind of leaves, right? Is that that's the progression of it? So <clears throat> after my red shirt year, I had one more year with Coach Legs. Okay. So my redshirt year was Mason Peatling's year. Yeah. And that's when we um, made it to the Big Sky Tournament, and then our game got called off because yes. of COVID. Okay. Then the next year we returned everyone except for Mason and Tyler Kidd. So, like, all of COVID, like, our practices were, like, so competitive because we didn't have to learn anything or teach anybody anything new because... Same team. It was the same team. Yeah. So, like... That was a big step for me, too. Obviously, I ended up playing, I think, like four minutes a year or four minutes a game that year. Yeah. And, yeah, it was just a crazy experience. But, like, I think just, like, <clears throat> coming into practice with those guys and seeing, like, I was able to kind of, like, separate from them because I was scout team and I could watch what works see who, you know, is successful and why they're successful. And it's, like, it's just so apparent, like, whoever stays in the gym is, like, going to play. So I was just always in the gym. Me and Coach Riley, Coach Riley was an assistant at that point, and he was my position coach. 
and we were in the gym all day, all night, like, and I was just grinding, trying to, like, get some minutes on the floor. Wow. Walk me through one of those days, one of those, like, peak grind days. Like, what does it look like from wake <clears throat> up to going to bed? Uh, I'd wake up, go straight to the gym. We have, uh, we call it breakfast club. Yeah. So it's, a uh, it's an optional workout before practice starts. So, and a lot of guys, a lot of the guys would do it, but I don't think I've ever missed a breakfast club to this day. And so I think that, that stemmed a lot of my success, just like starting your day off with a hard workout in the gym is just like, is really good for you, I think. Um, but yeah, so I'd do breakfast club for about 45 minutes. It's a workout. And then we'd go lift as a team. And then we'd come practice for a couple hours. And then uh, I'd either go back and do a red shirt lift again, or I'd get shots up right after practice. And then I'd go to class, eat lunch, and then I'd come back to the gym uh, with Coach Riley or one of the GAs and work out or shoot again. And then go eat dinner and then come back to the gym again. Wow. So, yeah. so there. So people see the shine this year, eighteen and zero. But this was really all built in the darkness in those years yeah, before. Exactly. Wow, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. Okay, so right, you play about four minutes a game that year, um, and then uh, what was his name? What was the coach that left? Coach Leggins. Coach Leggins. So yeah. he leaves, goes to Portland, um, and then what does that off season look like for you? I mean, I know there's a lot of uncertainty with with who's going to fill that position and, and what's going on with that. Like, talk me through that, bringing a bunch of portal or transfer guys in. Yeah, so it was a crazy offseason because we had literally just had probably the best season in Eastern history as far as going to the tournament. Uh, we had Kansas up 10 at halftime in the first round. Uh, we ended up losing that game, but um, we came back. Like, we flew back that night, and then the next morning, Leggins announced that he was leaving. So it was like up and then just like down and everyone was like like what happens now kind of thing and so I think like nine kids ended up transferring or going with legs he took the two assistants here um, with him to Portland and then I kind of had a decision I could either go with him uh, to Portland he asked me to come um, or I could stay here and put my trust in Dave <clears throat> who recruited me out of high school. That's the guy I talked to the most. Uh, he's my position coach. So I think it just felt natural for me to stay. And I wasn't playing under Leggins, which doesn't matter to me. But um, I just thought it was the best decision for myself to stay here, uh, put some trust in Dave. And I knew he would take care of the job. And so, I mean, we had, like... Workouts in the spring, that spring, were literally, like, it was me and five other guys. So it was six guys who'd play, like, three-on-three three every day. Like, there was no five-on-five five at all. But um, we ended up getting some good transfers, and uh, we ended up doing fine the next season. But, yeah, it was a crazy off season. Wow. But, yeah, that does, like, just a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you go get incredible transfer guys that offseason obviously that season didn't end up finishing how the way you wanted to play but that was kind of a, a breakout year for you where mm -hmm. you got some real minutes what was um and what were some of the things that um really allowed you to have that breakout year 
like mentally, right? Because it's a total identity shift, right? As opposed to coming off the bench, now you're a starter, right? For so. sure. It was almost like an identity shock. Like, I go from playing four minutes a game to playing 38 minutes a game. Yeah. And so, um, I think the biggest thing was just, honestly, it was just Dave putting his trust in me. Like, he knew I was going to be a good player from the time I came here, and he always told me that. And uh, he fought for me to get playing time in the previous years. Um but that didn't work out. And so he really, like, he told me, like, you're going to have the keys to the program. Like, you're going to be able to do everything, you like, whatever you want. And so then after I heard that, I was like, well, now i got to prepare for that, you know? Like, yeah, wow, well, yeah. So <clears throat> I just got in the gym. I was grinding. And then everything kind of just took care of itself. But, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. So let's just take it back to... Because you said that one thing, it really just sticks out to me. I think it's going to be really good for anyone listening. Like, you said the guys staying after are the ones that are going to play, but is there anything else? Like, you seem like you were really observant of those older guys. Like, what were those habits, those ways they approached their game, their life, the things that stuck out about the guys that were succeeding and passing guys up? Like, if you were to name it in some characteristics. Yeah, I think overall, I think it stems down to just showing up and putting in the work. But, um, I think a lot of those guys worked with intent. Like, mm. it wasn't like you just come in the gym, get a couple shots up, and leave, you know? It was like, come in, ball handle, like, get everything that's going to translate to your game. Like, get that in with an intent. Like, it doesn't have to be long. It can be a 45-minute workout, but you're going 100% the whole 45 minutes, you know? So I think just their work, like, their work ethic I think that was the biggest thing, and then, I mean, that's really it, honestly. I think just the intent and the work ethic that they would come in every day, and, like, they were never going to miss an opportunity to, like, get better, mm. basically. Mm-hmm. Wow. So. That's really cool. Okay, so jump back into kind of your your career here. So you have that year. Um, you get prepared, and then... How would you say that year was for you? That would have been 2021, right? So yeah. how was that year? Were you happy with that year, how you played? and Or, like, what was, your, what was the feeling after that season? And yeah, yeah it, was, <clears throat> it was tough because, obviously, I had that shock. So I didn't know how to, like, lead a team because I was always on the bench or not playing. So, um, and I think more than ever, it was just, like, how do I – how do I like go about talking to other guys to get them motivated for the game or get them prepared for the game? And it was tough because I think at the end of the year, like we were playing six guys max. So the whole starting five was all broke. Like all of our bodies were broken down. Like, and I think that was the biggest thing too. Is I prepared, but like I didn't prepare hard enough because by the end of it, like, my body was broken down after every game. Like, I was just trying to figure out how to get energy for the next game. And so I think this year uh, showed that, like, it was just a big jump in, like, knowing what I have to do to prepare for a season and a caliber season of, like, what I had this year. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that's basically it. Like, So what what was the... What was the difference in the preparation? I think getting in the gym, like, as far lifting. Like the I think, okay. Yeah, I think for getting longevity in the, throughout the season. Exactly, like getting my knees stronger, my just being able to take the 
hits and like just taking all the physicality because I'm like I'm skinny like I, and all these guys are pushing me around and stuff so I had to like I just had to find a way to use my strength in a different way mm-hmm. and then I had to also use my IQ I think that was a big thing for me is like I'm not always going to be the fastest or the biggest but like since I've came up in this program like observing really good players I kind of knew like how to get open or uh, screen this guy and this guy will get open or, you know, just like little things like that. And I think that's what propelled me um, from last season to this season is just like the little details and then just having my body ready to go. Mm. So what did that look like, finding those little details? Like would you sit down with Coach and watch film or like – or do you guys film every practice you watch back practice like what does that process look like yeah it's really just going through film like you said and just taking we film every practice we it's statted every practice so you can see your stats and it's just like you look at those stats and find what you need to work on and then you go watch film and break it down even more and our coaches are or the guys here are so good with film it's like we come in every day after practice you watch your film and then you get out of here so it's like um, yeah, you learn a lot through all that film. Yeah. So what was your, I mean, you were always hitting the weight room. Like, what's, what was the difference? Was it, like you talked about, like your intentionality coming in the lifts, or would you stay after and do extra stuff? Like, what did it look like to really separate and, and prepare yourself for that, from that full season in those lifts? Yeah, I think it was intent for sure. I, t- like, started taking it more seriously, and I think the diet was the biggest thing for me. Yeah, okay. Um, obviously, I think. Yeah, I just had to eat more. Like, that was really it. I just had... And I had some complications with, like, uh, like allergies and stuff that yeah. I was trying to figure out, and I finally figured it out. But once I figured that out, like, I just had to eat more, and I gained weight. And just with that intent and gaining weight, it was just, like, put me at another level. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. So... Anyways, right, like that 2021 season, really it sounds like it was kind of a, a learning year. Like you get thrown into the fire a little bit. Exactly. And yeah. it's kind of a shock. And then that off season, you attack it. You have these new approaches. Um, and then kind of more transfers come in, right? And how, so how do you navigate that? Like a whole brand new teammate coming in and like what led you guys to, to be an 18-0 and, and, and having that really good <clears throat> gel for a good part of the season? Yeah, you know, it's tough. I mean... Like, now we're seeing it every year, half your team is gone, yeah. like at least. It's just basketball now, right? Yeah, exactly. So you have to, it's really whoever can figure out and mold together, like you said, like the quickest, that's who's going to be the most successful. And I think coming into this this last summer before the season, like the coaches just made it super simple. And like, like if you guys want to win, you guys have to gel together. So like we took that and... We just started hanging out with each other, playing Xbox with each other every night. Like, we eat together all the time. We go to the pub together all the time. And I think that's what stemmed our um, our whole season is just, like, we were just so close together, like, on the court, but even more off the court. Like, we enjoyed being around everyone. Like, from 1 to 15, everyone liked being with everyone. So I think that was a big thing. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm taking notes in my head too about how we can get closer that's really cool so and even to the beginning of the season you guys had a rough start so how do you like what I know we talked a little bit but 
what got you guys out of that? You know, you go to Hawaii, you lose some games, and then all of a sudden it just it clicks, right, for the whole regular season. Like, how did you guys manage that adversity after you build these relationships and stuff and it wasn't going the way you wanted it to go initially? Yeah, I think um, obviously we started not very good, and I think we always knew we were going to be good. It was just it was just a matter of when, and I think a lot of it stemmed from egos. Like, we have a lot of good. We had a lot of good transfers come in from bigger schools. Uh, we had three returners with me, Ethan, and Jello at the starting five, and so obviously we're going to have egos because we've started here and been successful here. And so I think I think the biggest thing was just everyone having to like let their egos go and like holding each other accountable. Like, if this guy says something to you, take what you can get from it and then move on. You know, like, don't battle with him back and forth. Like, just listen to your teammate. If you don't agree with him, go back and talk to him later about it. And, like, just work it out. And so I think, how, so how did you break down? Because that's the issue with, with all sports, right? Like, how did you get those guys to let go of the ego? Did you guys talk about, like, just bringing it back to the common goal over and over again? And how, what was that process? Yeah, like? I mean, there was a lot of team meetings. And, like, I think we had a team meeting with the coaches uh, in Miami after we had lost the game, like, we kind of just put it all out there, like, if we want to win, we have to do this, or we're not going to be successful, and that thing was just gelling together, I don't, there wasn't necessarily, like, a, like, oh, it clicked, and, like, we kind of just found it out as we went on, but I think the coaches just instilled accountability into us, and, um, I think that was the biggest thing for us. Mm. And then even, I mean, we'll talk about the season in a sec, but like fast forward and you guys go and lose in the first round, right, of the, the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. But then boom, you bounce back and you get a win versus Pac-12 team. Yeah. How do you rally the troops after really, it'd be so easy for someone to be like, oh, well, the real tournament, like we're out of that, right? So like how do you guys bounce back and go get an incredible, huge win for the program? Yeah, I think um, after that loss, it was tough because obviously we wanted to go win the tournament and go to March Madness. But um, after that loss, we all kind of just like took some time off. But, like everyone took like three days off, kind of reset mentally, and then we just understood that like this was a big opportunity. Like the NIT is no joke. Like yeah, absolutely. a lot of good teams go to the NIT every year, and. Um, we just used it as an opportunity to, you know, it's a big stage and it's a big tournament and go play a good team in Wazoo. And we just recognized that we had a good opportunity and we wanted to make the most of it, really. Yeah. Wow. No, I thought it was awesome you make the game winner. I mean, that was yeah. yeah. So let's talk about this season, though, right? Like, all this work, it kind of pays off, but let's talk about, I mean, you're a guy that's, that notices things. You're a lot like me, like analytical and stuff. What was... Your routine, your ritual, game day, like how did you get into that flow? Because I saw you get into it. And even some games I'd see, you know, it's like, ah, it's just not getting, and then boom, third quarter, it just hits. Is it one of those things that, is it, does it just come back to the work you've put in? Or how did you really, like, go have this MVP season? Yeah, I mean, obviously it stems from the work, I think, um, I put in. But I think you just have to have, like, a, a next play mentality kind of thing, for me, at least. As being like a shooter, like if you miss one, 
the next one's going up, and the next one, like, I'm making the next one no matter what. So I think having that mindset was big for me, and just being able to use that mindset to, like, not dwell on the past. Like, if I make a turnover or something, like, just next play. Like, yeah. I've got to stay locked in in the next play because it's already behind me. Like, I can't fix it now, you know? Yeah. So I think that was the biggest thing. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, give it to me. Like, what are your top three moments from this season? <clears throat> and just, just talk a little bit about them because there were some special ones, and I just want to hear from you. Yeah, I think, I think winning the... Champ, the conference championship at home was like a big thing just because a lot of us obviously we all want to win rings but being able to do it at home was like just so special and um and I think that was our 16th win in a row yeah which um was a record an all-time big sky record and uh so that one was big just being able to cut our cut the nets down at home was like a super cool experience and then um, I would say NIT for sure, hitting the game winner against Wazoo, that was big time. That was a crazy game, and uh, it was just a fun moment to experience. And then hmm, the third one, probably I hit a game winner against Sac State, and that was probably the biggest thing. Coach drew up a really good play, put the ball in Angelo's hands to play make, and uh, he found me open, and I knocked down the shot, and we won the game. But, yeah, those are some really good moments throughout yeah. the season. Talk a little bit about Angelo, and, you know, you guys are kind of like the, the partners in crime there the, the whole year. Talk about him coming in and your relationship and how you guys really gelled together so well. I mean, he was a, an early transfer, right? He came in, you guys had two years together. So, like, just talk a little bit about, about him and your relationship with him as your career went on. Yeah, Jell is my guy, um, and I think we're very similar. We're super competitive. Like, yeah. um, so I think that's like that was the biggest thing is having like two competitive like starters that were like not competing with each other, but like just making each other better. Like, we were both really good shooters. We both wanted to see each other succeed, and I think just like building that relationship with them was like the biggest thing just for our success is like if nothing if the other guys aren't playing well like we have to bring it you know and like yeah. or if Jell is not playing well then I gotta bring it if I'm not playing well Jell is gonna bring it so like I think just instilling that trust in each other was like crucial to like just the team and like our whole season yeah so you talk about competitiveness I was so we had some struggles, obviously, last year on the football team, and TJ was like, hey, come watch a, a basketball practice, right? He's like, yeah. come learn something. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I usually go up there. I, you probably never noticed, but I go up in that one spot, and it's like no one else knows, but it's like this hidden spot where I do my homework. And yeah, you had your headphones on. Yeah, there. so you see me up yeah, there. Yeah, so I go up there, and, like, I'm just looking. And, I mean, I came for one of the ones, like, right before you guys went to the, the tournament, the conference championship, and, and I'm like – they're about to leave in two days, and it was barking. It was physical. It was no joke. Like, talk, and I assume, obviously, that's a lot of where you guys' success came from. But talk For about sure. that competitive nature of those practices and just how that kind of bled into your success, created that success. <clears throat> it was huge. And, like, I think the coaches did a really good job just 
making all of our practices, every drill competitive. And, I mean, we had such a good team that, like, our bench players could go start at a lot of other big sky yeah. schools. And so that bred a lot of competitiveness in practice. And I think, um, like, a lot of the practices were harder than the game. So, like, I think that that stemmed, like, our success a lot because, like, we're going into a game not worried about it because we've done it all week in practice. Like, yeah. and, you know, guys are chirping at each other, like, um, getting and shoving matches. Like, at a point, it's, like, crazy, but at the same time, like, you kind of need it to, like, one, come together as a team, but two, just, like, having that edge in practice to where, like, you can't just come to practice and coast, you know? like That's so true. Like, if you're coming to practice, like, we're getting this work in and then we're out of here, you know? So, like, <clears throat> just having those competitive practices made the game so much easier because we had already gone through the fire the whole week before. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I literally saw it, so I could be a testament to it. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. And, I mean, even the summer practices were big, too, but that was before you guys had the success. So it was interesting just to see, even through the success, that fire was still going strong. Um, what's the biggest obstacle, setback, challenge that you've had, and maybe it was sitting out that redshirt year, but, like, what's the biggest challenge you've had? I think it's good for people to hear this, right, because they see just the MVP stuff that you had and that you pushed through in your career here at Eastern. Yeah. Um, I would say more so my second year because I had redshirted, and I had kind of come in knowing I was going to redshirt. Yeah. So it wasn't that hard for me. I was just working out. Obviously, I wanted to play, but... Yeah, so I not redshirting. Yeah, so I kind of knew that I was coming in a year and not going to be able to play whatnot. But I think my biggest challenge was the second year to where, like, I felt like I should have been playing over some of the guys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they didn't play me, which was that that was fine. But it taught me a lot to, like, go into the next year being like, okay, I have to do this and this and this to get on the court. Like, I have to get bigger, I have to get stronger, faster, stay in the gym, like... I think that whole year, and just mentally, really, like, you know, it messes with your head when you're not playing and you think you should be. And we had such a good team that year. It was just like, it was a big jump for me because I've never been on a team where I didn't play, you know. In high school, we're all stars, you know, like, and whatnot. But um, sitting out is, like, the biggest, like, motivation for someone is to, like, okay, I'm going to get in this offseason, I'm going to kill it, so I never have to do that again, you know what I mean? And so I think that whole second year just gave me a new perspective of, like, what I never want to do again is mm-hmm. just, like, sit every game clapping for my teammates, which is good, but, like, I want to be out there, you know? So I think that whole year was just a big uh, learning experience for me, and obviously it helped that that team was really good because I got to watch a lot of good players and, like, see how they became successful. But I would say my second year was probably the biggest obstacle. Yeah. For sure. Oh, that's really cool. And you push through it and I think it really it probably is a testament to the season you had. If you didn't have that that setback then or whatever, that challenge you don't <clears throat> yeah. have this year. So talk a little bit about obviously now you're transferring, you're going to the kennel. So how does it feel like when you committed there, I mean, from preferred walk on, not recruited, like 
it must feel pretty good to yeah. commit to one yeah. of the most highly touted programs in the country. Like, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it's it was almost surreal when I committed. Like, when I put my name in the portal, I had they were my first call ten minutes later, and um, like right then, I was like, "All right, well, Gonzaga's on the top of my list, obviously." Like, and just growing up in Washington, I I was always watching Gonzaga basketball because everyone does in Washington, and they're yeah. obviously a, a marquee program. And so, honestly, just having them reach out to me was, like, the biggest thing. But then once they started talking to my family and we just, like, created a natural bond so quickly, and then I ended up committing, and it was just, like, I don't know, it's still surreal that I'm a Gonzaga Bulldog. But, no, it's just it's been super cool. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that... That little thing they do before the game, you're going to be jumping out <laughs> yeah. of your skin that first one. Um, what advice would you give to the younger athletes, you know, having come going into your last year, right, in collegiate play? Like, that's crazy to, to really think I about mean, that. Yeah, I have two years left because of COVID. Oh, okay, that's right. So, yeah. yeah. We'll see, though. One <laughs> yeah. and done, right? Yeah, yeah hopefully. But, yeah. Um, going into your, you know, the end of your career, um, what advice do you have to the younger athletes, the next generation coming up, having had success and about to have incredible success? It's so cliche, but, like, I would say just finding time to put extra work in. Like, I think, and obviously this is going to be, like, a weird example, but, like, you know, we all grow up playing video games or whatnot, but, um, like, my dad always just told me, like, what if you just put in 30 minutes a day? Like, an extra 30 minutes a day. Like, all these kids are just sitting at home playing video games. You know, all my friends are playing video games. Like, if I do 30 minutes extra a day, like, that's going to compound over time to being, like, so much ahead of other people. And whether it's 30 minutes or an hour or whatnot, but, like, just, like, just go out and do something, you know? Like, go work out. There's, like, obviously you know this too, but, like, you can find so many different ways to better yourself without any equipment, like nowhere to go. I would just say, like, just finding finding something that'll just get you, like, 1% better, I think is the biggest thing. And <clears throat> I think getting out to camps, like your camp or my camp, and getting exposure to, like, how these athletes operate and, like, what their schedules are at a D1 level or at a pro level is, like, the biggest thing because, like, and you know it too, but, like, all these professional sports are, like, handing out millions of dollars for you to go play a sport that you love. Like, and I think that was a big, like, big thing for me is, like, when I started seeing kids um, that were, like, from Washington or whatnot, like, getting drafted and the money that they're making is, like, I'm really not that far behind them, like, and they're getting paid this much money. Like, I already love the sport. Why not just, like, go in it, like, full speed and, like, take advantage of every opportunity I have? And so I think that's just the biggest thing is, like, getting exposure and then just finding any time to get better Mm. is the biggest thing. Yeah, I completely agree with both of those. Um, So I didn't give you much notice on this, but the name of the podcast is the Make It Happen Podcast. What does it mean to make it happen to you? I mean, in a sense, I think I just kind of explained it. Just like, just finding any, like any little thing, going out for a run, a mile run, if you don't have 
you know, uh, the facilities or whatnot, or going to get some ball handling in, like, if you have a ball and a hard surface, like, you can work on your game, you know, like, I think just being creative and finding ways to um, just keep getting better every day, I think that's what making it happen means to me. And there he is, Steel Venters. Go give him a follow on social media at Steel Venters. He also has a basketball camp coming up, a youth basketball camp down in Ellensburg. So go check that out. Go check out everything Steel's got going. He's going to have a great year over at Gonzaga. It's super cool. I'm glad he's just down the road. I'll still be able to go watch him uh, and, and make the kennel go crazy. So I appreciate all you guys. Have an amazing day. Go make it happen. Out. <laughs>